Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks, a podcast that takes you inside some of the most interesting businesses and industries today. It explores career success and how we can make a difference. We invite you to join us on this journey. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO with Beth. And this week, oh my gosh, we are so privileged to be speaking with Betsy Berkemer-Cordaire. Betsy is truly one of the most influential and impactful women in the country. Let me tell you about her background. Betsy Berkemer-Cordaire, she's CEO of 5050 Women on Boards, the global education and advocacy campaign committed to accelerating gender balance and diversity on corporate boards. She's also the CEO of retained executive search firm Berkemer Clayton in Los Angeles. Betsy is the author of two books, The Board Game, How Smart Women Become Corporate Directors, and the second one is Winning the Board Game, How Women Directors Make the Difference. Both books help women seeking board positions as their ultimate career goal. What's really, truly impactful besides everything else you've done, Betsy, is that Betsy led the successful campaign to secure the passage of SB 826, which became effective September 2018. This is the first and only law in the U.S. requiring every public company headquartered in California to have at least three women directors on a board of six or more, and that was uh, to be effective before year-end 2021. Formerly, Betsy was the statewide president of the National Association of Women Business Owners of California, that's NABO. She was the founding SoCal chair of Women Corporate Directors, a member of the National Association of Corporate Directors, that's NACD, and the International Women's Forum. Betsy's also served on the boards of the Southern California Leadership Network, UCLA Medical Center, and on the Consumer Advisory Board for SoCal Edison. Thank you, Betsy, for joining us today. Well, I am so glad to be here, Diane and Beth. Thank you for inviting me to speak to your C-suite network, which is huge. And uh, I I just uh, really admire what you've done with C-suite and want to compliment you. And everybody listening on this podcast uh, should know that that Beth and Diane are are really building momentum uh, nationwide. And... uh, and, and in parallel, uh, 50-50 Women on Boards, which is my nonprofit organization, actually it's not mine, but it, it uh, belongs to uh, thousands of women who are seeking corporate board positions. And I'm proud that uh, I've been involved and passionate about this issue of getting women on boards for 25 years. And uh, Diane, you asked about the law here in California that's really been a game changer because before the law went into effect on January 2019, oh, companies were limping along and they were thinking, well, maybe someday they'll put a a woman on the board, but they had no incentive. So that's why I and other NABO, National Association of Women Business Owners, uh, leaders here in California, uh, took this idea to Sacramento and to the Women's Caucus of Legislators. We had met several over the years, but I've never done a law before. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how long it would take. It took seven years to get the law passed for women to get on boards. But since the passage of the law and since the uh, deadline that you mentioned, Diane, was the end of December, California has reached 32% of the board seats of public companies here in California, they have reached that higher than ever goal at 32%. Uh, 
And of course, we at 50-50 Women on Boards are trying to get to 50% at least, but uh, we got still a long way to go uh, nationwide. The national level of board seats held by women is 26%. So because of the law, very directly, uh, we have reached in California 32%, which has had a positive ripple effect across the country that other companies are seeing what's happening in California, seeing the good results and saying, well, maybe they'll put women on their boards as well. Uh, just to compare, before the law was passed in 2016, 2017, the statistic was 16% of board seats in California held by women. And that means we have doubled it in California because of the law. And why? When you make a law, companies have to follow a state law and uh, there is a penalty involved of $100,000 per woman uh, that they didn't have on the board. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Wow, that's an incentive. <laughs> right. Yeah, every time you tell this story, Betsy, I learn new facts from you. So that's great. Isn't it marvelous? And Senator Hannah Beth Jackson, uh, who is retired now, but she really was the driver uh, to get this through. Uh, starting in 2012 when we took the idea to Sacramento and then started to build momentum behind it and uh, finally got it passed. But it was not easy. There was brutal opposition from chambers in the state, the California Chamber of Commerce, also the uh, uh, California Manufacturing and Technology Association, companies saying that they didn't want to be forced to put women on their boards. But those who have are are pleased are very uh you know effusive in many cases about how great the addition of women has been to their boards so i could get into that shortly but uh, what other what other nuances would like you like to hear let's kind of start with the basics when you started this endeavor seven you know plus years ago what struck you as to why diversity on boards is so important what was the value to the companies the value to companies is quite clear. There's been uh, Credit Suisse research, independent from women's groups, of course, Credit Suisse, KPMG, McKinsey research over the last 10 years, proving that companies are more profitable when women are on the boards because women bring different perspective, women bring different ways of looking at numbers, looking at trends and helping companies grow. Boards are formed, well, not just formed, but boards want people to join their boards who will help the company grow, help the company be financially successful, help return dividends to uh, shareholders, of course, and also improve, hopefully, uh, the, the company's stature in the community. And what the Credit Suisse research uh, reported was that companies are significantly more profitable when women are on the boards and the, they are more productive by measurable statistics and their employees, their workforce, is better engaged, which you can imagine. They, the women in the workforce look up and see other women on the board. They say, well, this is a company for me. And uh, it looks like I can even achieve career excellence. So it's very important for the companies and it's important for the women too. So that's why the diversity is important. And it seems like part of the reason you had so much kickback is the perception was that women weren't qualified. 
Is that the core reason that you kept hearing from all the chambers, et cetera? Well, that is such an easy excuse for people on boards, men on boards, men in business to say, well, there aren't enough qualified women. That's been the historic excuse forever. Yes. But uh, we pointed out in our testifying before the state legislature and in our documentation, which was extensive, we pointed out that women have been in the workforce and building um, incredible careers, leadership careers in the workforce for 50 years. And there are thousands, literally thousands of qualified women, not only in the U.S., but in the state of California, who could be excellent board members. Now, they do have to bring business experience and they do have to bring expertise in uh, certain areas that the board might be looking for. But the key is that the board members themselves have to expand their circles of, of contacts whom they might consider uh, for boards because generally the women are not in the immediate circles of the men who serve on corporate boards. We're just not on the golf courses, the university boards, other high-level uh, nonprofit boards those men might be on in order to be seen and, and known as uh, potentially uh, good board members. So that's what we advise women at 5050 Women on Boards. We train board members how, I mean, we train women how to make strategic connections, how to uh, expand their own circles, and how to be seen, how to be uh, remembered as potential board members through business exposure, through serving on nonprofit boards with uh, men and women who serve on corporate boards, and to be strategic networking with the contacts that, that they have had in their career. We, we explain that all and we train the women in our 50-50 Women on Boards workshops. Well, that's great. So let me ask you about compensation, because I know we've talked about that, and we've had speakers come in and speak on that too. Do you feel, when it first started, was there equal compensation, or has it progressed over the years, and do you think that the board positions are equally compensated now, or is there still a gap? Well, on the boards, all board members, men or women, are paid equally. And the additional, the base compensation is equal. It could be in private companies, fifty or eighty thousand dollars. In public companies, it could be a hundred, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars annually. Um, and some of that, half of it, generally is paid in stock. So stock goes into your your uh, you know your long term uh, uh, investments, if you will. But uh, the every board member by law has to be paid equally. However, when uh, when a board member is a chair of a committee, that when the committees meet, there are additional committee meeting fees. And if you're the chair, uh, because there's a lot more work to being a chair of a committee, indeed, uh, that chair is paid an additional uh, fee for being the chair. So, well, if if men are you know the chairs and um, and senior members or lead directors, then they get somewhat more money. But uh, it's by law that all the all the board directors are paid the same by corporate laws. So um, uh, I hope that uh, that answers. Yeah, it does. It does. So, do you think that having equal pay on a corporate board has helped this whole initiative to get more equal pay for women? Since we already know that women make what seventy cents on the dollar, unless if you're a woman of 
diversity? Well, I can assure you that having women on the boards uh, who are watching the uh, pay uh, uh, schedules of, uh, of their employees of the company where they serve on the board, they are watching, they are uh, encouraging the board and management to uh, to gain more equal pay. But no, it's, it's not an automatic, and the, the company has its own management rules uh, about how they pay. But the more emphasis that we have on equal pay, the more women who are on boards who look down into the company and say, hey, our women employees need to be paid the same as men, things will start to uh, continue to improve. Yeah, we just need it in basketball now, right? <laughs> we, got, we got it in soccer, now we need it in basketball, and I think then it'll move into the corporations too. Exactly. Well, soccer certainly is, is a great uh, indicator that uh, we're on the way. And uh, as always, it takes a, a long time, and laws and uh, evidence has to come first before people actually change their, their ways. But um, it's important for your women, I think, and C-suite women to understand that it's very good for you as individual women, very good for your careers to serve on boards. So uh, serving on boards, all the women I know and those that I interviewed for my books, by the way, the books are available at winningtheboardgame.com, but uh, the, all the women I've interviewed over the years, the, uh, they, they were not exactly uh, they don't know where the actual recommendation for them to get on boards came from, but uh, strategic networking is so critically important. And uh, But being on the board, all of them tell me it makes them better, more well-rounded executives. They understand better, therefore, how boards work. They bring back best practices to their own company where they work. They also, in their own company, they're able to serve the needs of their own boards better because they understand how boards work. There's a very bright line between being on a board and being management of the company. Board members do not run the company. They only advise and hire and fire the CEO. Uh, yes, they watch the fiduciary progress of the company and they also uh, are responsible for uh, helping the company grow, but they don't tell management what to do. Uh, however, you know, because of that line, it's very important for women in the senior uh, executive levels to know how to deal with, how to serve their own boards, as well as as well as uh, how what they learn from being on outside boards. So it's very good for your career, and your you get more respect because you're part of the, the elite. You're part of being on a corporate board is the about the highest level in business you can achieve because you're higher than the CEO. CEO works for the board, and so no matter how long it takes, early in your career or late in your career, it's good to start to learn and build that journey toward the ultimate goal. Interesting. A lot of women start in the nonprofit world. Do you think that that's a natural progression, or do they not need to start in the nonprofit world and could start with the corporate? How do you kind of see the progression? Yeah, do you get stuck in the nonprofit world? Nonprofit is awesome. It's totally awesome. But so many women that we know want that first corporate board seat, and they don't know how to maneuver it to get there. Well, being on nonprofit boards helps you get to your first corporate board seat. Not directly, but the key is meeting the people who serve on the nonprofit boards, who see you in action, therefore, on the nonprofit board, 
And you can't just be a wallflower on the board or a name on, this, on the letterhead. You need to be active. You need to be help raising money and help to build that nonprofit so that the people, other people on the board see that you're a woman of action and that you get results and that you're a very collegial uh, person to, to be on a board with. And that's how your reputation uh, extends beyond uh, the nonprofit board itself. And those members of the nonprofit board, uh, when they get an inquiry about a board position, corporate board position that might not be for them, they remember seeing, well, I remember seeing Diane Gubin, she was terrific on the United Way board and all she did. And 85% of the women I interviewed in my book, and I interviewed 125 women with a, and 111 features are in the book, 85% of them were recommended for their first corporate board by someone they knew on their nonprofit board. So it's, it's really important, but I always recommend get on the big ones. Get on Red Cross, Cancer, um, Lung Association, United Way in your city or state so that you can be visible to other people who do serve on corporate boards. Yes, you need to be on your child's school board as well, I mean, the, for, the, for your local school, but that's probably not going to be what gets you on the board. So in addition, be on a large nonprofit or uh, be on your industry. This is really easy to do. Get on your industry association board. I mean, every industry has an association, whether it's the in a healthcare industry association or um, the oil business association. Get on the board, and then you meet all the other people who are in influential positions in your industry. Oh, that's great! I love it. That that's terrific advice. And Betsy, tell me. You, you know, if I um, didn't know enough about boards, what kind of a time commitment is it when you're talking about some of these board positions? Well, that's a good question, of course. Uh, time commitment is important, especially in busy women's lives, especially if you got, uh, you're balancing young kids at home, uh, husband and, and multiple career responsibilities. Um, uh, the time commitment really is, of course, four quarterly board meetings, sometimes six. And if you are on a bank board, which is a very good first board to get on a, a bank board in your community, uh, if you're on a bank board, they might meet 10 times a year, almost monthly, because they have to be constantly aware of the finances of the bank, of course. But um, it's, it's a time commitment. And in addition to the quarterly meetings, uh, there's usually an annual retreat. And there's also uh, committee meetings that might happen on different days other than board meetings. And of course, in the case where a crisis happens, and this day and age, a crisis happens to almost every business. But when a crisis happens, you could be ensconced in a, in a hotel um, you know, with all the board members uh, for a week or some other time commitment that is not expected. So uh, because of that, if you are if you have a job and you're active in your career, which most of your women would be, um, uh, you need to get the permission of your CEO in order to uh, even start to reach out to potential corporate boards. You need to have the CEO say that it's okay uh, for you to serve on a corporate board. Some are reluctant because they want 150% of your time to be dedicated to your own company, their own company. However, when you explain to them the benefits of uh, serving on a board where you're bringing back best practices, you're building new high-level business contacts that will benefit the CEO of your company, 
there are there, there are exceptional benefits that uh, that come to the company where you work. So you have to explain that to the CEO. And he certainly serves on corporate boards. I'm, most CEOs are he's. Right, exactly. Uh, there are some who are women, but uh, he certainly serves on corporate boards. So you could say, just like you always bring back best practices to our firm, and you're, you are well regarded in the community, uh, I, I too uh, have reached the level where I want to serve on corporate boards. They'll say yes, generally. No, that's good. that's awesome. <laughs> that's what you get. You give everybody hope there. <laughs> she does. Hey, so Betsy, before we kind of start this podcast, when we were were just chatting, um, I had asked you kind of what are what are you personally involved with right now? What's uh, what is your focus for uh, 2022? But what are some key things that are hot that's in your area that you're working? Well, we are at 5050 Women on Boards really, really educating women. I teach many of the workshops that we do, and if I may add, our, our workshops are all posted at 5050wob.com, and our workshops include strategic networking that I mentioned is so important, also for early career charting your board path, what the board fundamentals are, and then for senior women, uh, get on board, uh, is is our uh, is our is our comprehensive workshop. We also do individual workshops on uh, writing your board profile and on your digital presence, so that your LinkedIn profile is very very compelling. And all this is important for getting on a corporate board. So for each of you who is listening, who says, "Well, this sounds like you know, a lot of work," it's not so much if you take it uh, pace it over the next five years. But definitely get started because, like all of us, I think you'll find it fascinating. And we're also starting to work on, of course, our annual events, uh, which are 50-50 events, part of the in-cities and statewide events, uh, part of our global conversation on board diversity. All those events will be in person this year. Yay! 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 <laughs> so, Betsy, you took 5050 Women on Boards from national, and now you're going oh, international? Yes, we are definitely global, and we have four global events, and those are four events in other countries in Toronto, the UK, uh, uh, Greece, Athens, Greece, and of course, Mexico City. And uh, it's very, and we're, this year we're also going to do uh, Tokyo, Japan. Um, and it, it's just very important to keep track of and keep the momentum going throughout the globe because as you might know uh, Norway and Sweden and then France and Germany had uh, laws and quotas for women on boards before California did. That was one thing that prompted me, gee if those countries can do it and California is the fifth largest economy in the world we should be the leaders for the US. So that's why we were able to get a uh, law passed in, in California. But at this point, I don't believe there will ever be a federal law. It'll always be, and I don't even believe that other states will pass a law as specific as ours. Uh, Washington, Washington State last year did pass a law uh, requiring 25% of board seats being held by women. Uh, but they also said that if you can't meet that number, then simply report your diversity efforts to the state. <laughs> right, like they do with corporations, yeah. But California doesn't allow that. You have to meet the three or at least three women requirement now if you're a public company in California, which is so exciting. And it's made, it's, it's got thousands of women. When I say that, specifically 1,100 women in the last two years on corporate boards in California alone. So 
you know, Oh, Betsy. Congratulations. Yeah, that's so good. You talk about truly influential and impactful. So are you getting the same kickback around the world that you had when you started this whole program in California? Is it is it the same arguments you're hearing, but just in a different language? Absolutely, Diane, the same arguments. We can't find enough qualified women, uh, et cetera, which is all baloney. And all they have to do is extend their networks. They, 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 in general, boards are very collegial, very comfortable. They don't want outsiders in the, whom they might consider outsiders initially. Initially, uh, they don't want to share the money. It's, it means that the, the board is sharing money with people that, that they might not know very well. So the, the process of getting to know people through st strategic networking, being recommended to a board by someone who knows a board member, that's the way to get into the process. Because search firms, and I know because I own one, search firms don't really bring additional candidates to, to the mix. Search firms are hired to vet the candidates on the list that the board gives to them. The board already knows whom they want, so they give the list of candidates to that they want already to the search firm to vet those candidates, find out what their conflicts of interest might be, what their date conflicts might be, what other boards they have served on in the past, and uh, and what kind of what, what you know were they good board members? What happened on those boards, etc. That's what search firms find out. Of course, all search firms that, uh, that care about diversity say to their client, the, the corporate board, will you allow us to bring women and people of color who meet the qualifications you're looking for? And they all say, yes, absolutely. But it's really somebody they already know who's going to end up with the position. So the bottom line is we tell women to make sure you are working the magic with your contacts over the years so you are on the list that the client corporate board gives to the search firm. You're already on the search list yeah. of people they know and love. That is the key, women. It's really the key. And that's what we train women in our in our workshops to do, how to do it. And so uh, Well, that's great. So what piece of advice would you give our listeners um, and the audience from your experience? If you had one or two pieces of advice, what would you give them? There's so many, of course, but uh, first of all, okay, three. <laughs> okay, three. First of all, don't be afraid. Don't. Uh, all of us women are modest. We don't want to be talking about ourselves. Don't be afraid. Start to at least investigate what it might mean to serve on a corporate board. And uh, definitely, if you're not on a nonprofit board yet, you can get on a nonprofit board at any point in your career. And, and I'm suggesting don't wait until the end of your career to start looking at this pathway and learning what boards do. And I've had women over the years tell me, Betsy, if I'd only known all this stuff 20 years ago, I'd be on a board now or several. I say, I know, that's why we're doing our best to share with women early on in their careers what it is they do to, what, it, what they need to do in order to get to a board eventually. It may not happen for five years. It might not happen for 10 years, but you're working it, you're working it, you're working it uh, continuously, continuously uh, throughout your career and developing contacts that will help you. Contacts and networking, just like in C-suite, which is your mission, uh, networking strategically with, with uh, people who are serving on boards and, and, and understand or Believe in serving on boards 
uh, is what, what you're all about and what we're all about at 5050 Women on Board. So I want to thank you for having me today. And I hope that a lot of, <laughs> you're the, so I hope a lot of your C-suite <laughs> listeners uh, are saying, yeah, I can do it. Why don't I start, you know, investigating this for sure. Yeah, and we want to thank Betsy so much for being with us today. And again, please check out 5050 Women on Boards and go out and research Betsy's history and everything she's done for the women and the women's movements of today. So thank you. And very inspiring. Thank you, Betsy. And thank you to our listeners. You touched my heart. Thank you. And it's still Women's History Month. It is. I'm going to a luncheon tomorrow <laughs> for that at the City Corp, actually, at the City Club. So um, we want to thank our sponsors, Google, RSM, an accounting firm, uh, Manette, a uh, law firm, uh, Woodruff Sawyer, employee benefits, and Amplified Professional Services, and executive search and IT consulting, making this possible and this podcast possible. So thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, please, and make it a good one, especially now that we've heard Betsy. Uh, And do follow us on social media. We're all over LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And don't forget, we love to hear from you. So send us an email, media at c-suite, C-S-W-E-E-T dot org. And that's our website, too, www.csweetcswet.org. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.